Welcome to session 185 of the Scanner School Podcast. This is where I answer your questions. So if you have a question about scanner radios, you can go ahead and go to scannerschool.com slash ask and submit your question. However, if you use our speak pipe or our local number, which is 516-308-2885, and leave me a voicemail, I'll put your question to the top of the list and also put you in the running for a free tutoring session. So today we've got three people in the running for a free tutoring session. Again, you can go to scannerschool.com slash ask and submit your question. Please submit your questions. I am running low on them and I'd love to keep these types of podcast episodes going. So before we get into today's podcast episode, let's just go ahead through our typical beginner bumpers, which PS are going to change very soon. Today's podcast is sponsored by our two brand new training courses. Our free SDR course, The Ultimate Beginner's Guide to Software Defined Radio, will get you started with SDRs in an afternoon. We will show you what hardware and accessories to buy to get started with Software Defined Radio. Then we'll show you the step-by-step how-to to install the drivers, tune your first frequency with SDR Sharp, and then have you monitoring digital at the end of this free course. Our advanced course continues with beginner's course left off and levels up your SDR experience. In this course, you'll learn even more about software-defined radio. We will show you how you can substitute an SDR for your high-end digital scanner, how to monitor HD radio, monitor trunk systems and overhead data with Unitrunker, and even how to monitor all the talk groups on a system and never miss a beat with SDR trunk. You can sign up for both courses at courses.scannerschool.com. Before we start this week's podcast, I'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters. Patreon is a month-to-month sponsorship platform. We have three different support tiers, each with different benefits. But the most valuable tier is our $5 a month tier. This equates to sponsoring the podcast for about a dollar per episode. Now, not only do our $5 Patreon supporters receive the podcast early, but they also receive a commercial-free version of the podcast delivered directly to their podcast player. Some may say that the included squelchy sticker pack that is mailed to your home is the best benefit of the $5 level, but I think it's the community or the club that is growing at this level. You see, we meet once a month on Zoom, and we have a roundtable discussion about scanning, ask questions, offer advice. Some of the members are answering other people's questions, and we just talk with our fellow scanner school classmates. This is an exclusive group for our $5 Patreon members. Now, again, if all this wasn't enough at that level, you'll also receive discounts to upcoming Scanner School courses and offerings. Now, you can help support Scanner School by going to www.scannerschool.com slash Patreon or www.scannerschool.com slash support. Now, I'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters at all levels, and they are Arthur Heron, Bill K, Brian King, Buzz Gold, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Dave Pasco, David C, Denny Crotty, Ed Walsh, Edward Bramblett, Evan Barkak, Glenn Wright, Greg Johnson, Guy Lee, Jay Haycock, Jack Berry, James Broxson, James Felling, James Peruta, Jeff Block, Jeff Chapman, Jenny Taylor, Jim B, Jim Heinrich, John Keel, John Goldenberg, Kevin Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Lynn Smith, Mark Beebe, Mason Kramer, Michael Kroger, Nicholas Stenger, Paul Teal, Raymond Hill, Robert, Robert Kanzler, Robert Kanzler again, Ronnie Bob. Sal Marandola, Signals Everywhere, Terry Weatherford, Tim Mazza, Todd Glendi, and William R. Cand. Now let's start the podcast. Welcome to The Scanner School, a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. 
Okay, welcome back to Scanner School. This podcast is here to teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. Again, my name is Phil Lichtenberger, and my amateur radio call sign is W2LE. And today, I am answering your scanner radio questions. Now, many have submitted questions via our Ask page over at scannerschool.com slash ask. Many have emailed me directly, and some, again, have been using our voicemail numbers. So, again, you can go to scannerschool.com slash ask and click on the SpeakPipe link, which allows you to just use the microphone on your device, whether it's your computer or your tablet or your phone, and leave me a message. Or if you're right here in the States, you can dial 516-308-2885 and leave me a message. And, of course, I will answer it on one of these podcast episodes. So here is my request from you. Submit your questions, please. I'm running low on questions. Again, scannerschool.com slash ask. Okay, so before we get to our very first question, I typically hold a live Q&A session on Facebook and YouTube when I release these podcast episodes. It's now July 2021. I had something come up here in the house, and I have to move things around in my basement right now. So I cannot hold the July ask session on Facebook and YouTube when I would normally hold it. So we're going to postpone it and we're going to look and see when this project's done and we'll probably have something towards the end of July. So keep your eyes on our social media platforms and also our newsletters to find out when the rescheduled date is. So again, if you listen to this live on the release date, which would be July 5th, there will be no live Q&A session tonight on Facebook or YouTube or any of the social platforms. So again, the best way to know we're going to go live is jump over to our YouTube page, click the subscribe button, ring the bell. This way, when we do announce our live, you'll know right away when we're going live. Again, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or our newsletter, and we'll let you know there as well. Okay, our first question comes in from Jack Ritchie. Jack, go ahead with your question. Phyllis, Jack Ritchie, near Windsor, Ontario, Canada, at the Michigan, Detroit, Michigan border. With regards to your skip, propagation and the other term you used. <laughs> Can we use uh, uh, an SDRRTL dongle to uh, spy on when that sort of thing occurs? Like what will our screen look like if we're being inundated with new FM broadcast stations that are skipping to our area or AM or ham radio? Can we see some sort of violent activity on the screen? When we have this phenomena occurring, what should we be looking for there rather than the APRSmonolink.org website? Or is it best to use the website to ascertain that something's going on? <laughs> Thanks. Hey, Jack. Great question. And uh, this one is really interesting because if you look at or go back to our podcast episode where we talked with Larry Van Horn. Uh, that was back on session 177. Larry runs dxcentralonline.com, I believe it is, or DX Central Online is, is the YouTube channel. And he does a lot of this kind of stuff, right? His, his passion is AM and FM DXing and picking up those stations. And there's actually a plugin, which I was reading about the other day, and I can't find it right now exactly what it is, but it's like an RDS logger, and it will sweep through the FM broadcast band and start logging in different kinds of station IDs, right? And somebody had just posted the other day that they were actually able to log a station from here in eastern New York to New Mexico. And they said that was a almost a near 
best when it comes to distance. And they were able to do that because they weren't really listening live, but they were going back through um, what their SDRs were doing and archiving and finding that. And again, I really I can't find the post where that came from or what exact software they were using. But there was a tool in their SDR software that allowed them to read the entire spectrum, basically, of all the RDSs and find out what they were uh, picking up at certain times. But to, ask, to answer your question about what you would notice on screen and what you're looking for, so one of the easiest things to look for, again, is just look at your typical FM broadcast band, right? And you should be able to know just by looking at it on a day-to-day basis where you expect to find your local stations. That's a very easy way of, of, of spotting things. And again, you could set up software so that when you hover over the peaks, it will identify the stations so you kind of know where the known stations are. But as you start pulling in left and right of your known stations, you may be able to see other stations peeking in or coming in just over the noise floor or something like that. So by using even like uh, peak holds on some of the spectrum sweeps, you might be able to find different signals that are coming in that you normally do not get. So you'll notice that, again, your FM broadcast band is getting to be a lot more congested right? And a lot more frequencies off to adjacent sides of where your primary or your local FM broadcast station is. Because again, they do have spacing, right? On either side where they have clear frequencies. Because again, they're not at 101.1, 101.3, 101.5. No, it'd be 101.1, maybe 101.5 at a, at a distance further away so that they use 101.3 as kind of as a bleed. So for the uh, signals to kind of bleed through. But again, if you're seeing something that's coming in on, say, 101.3, you know that that's an out-of-market station that's coming in. Another thing you can look at, too, is just your typical amateur radio band, right, in VHF. You should be able to identify and log and put maybe into the frequencies manager on SDR Sharp all of your local FM repeaters. That's why when you hover over your, you know, your display as you see the repeaters coming in there, they're identified right in the waterfall or in the display. And again, you turn on a peak hold and you might be able to find something else coming in. Another thing to do too is you could look at nation, uh, the national calling frequencies. I think it's 146.52, I believe, on, on VHF. It's been a while. And then 446.0 on UHF. And just see if you see anybody else calling in. Maybe somebody's out there trying to do DXing on 2 meters or 440. That's another way of finding out as well. But really the, what you want to look for is what your spectrum looks like, right? How how congested is it? How compact is it? And also the right time of year, right? Like we talked about in that podcast episode, which again was back on 182, is uh, the times of the years are very important when it comes to this, right? For tropospheric ducting, you need something that's got a temperature inversion on it. And also the springtime, uh, late, late spring, very early summer is a great time to do some of this, uh, this sporadic E and whatnot. So Right now, here in the States and in Canada, right, now's the time to go out and do it. You'll be able to find something. And even look around, too, right? Look look around and see if there's people in the clubs or look at some of the uh, message boards and whatnot, and you may find out that that's what's going on. Again, back in the days when we had analog TV, that was something else we could look at as well, right? We can we can see uh, what stations were coming in that we normally didn't get, right? If you got channels like here, I got channels 2, 4, 5, 7, 9, and 11, and 13, right, on the, uh, on the, on the typical TV dial. 
I knew that if I was the old days of turning the clunker, right, and clunk, clunk, clunk as you turn the channel or you would you didn't have the ability to program up a, 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 a TV and skip channels. And if you were going through, and again, if you had 2, 4, 5, 7, 9, 11, I mean, it shows you I used to watch only those channels, and something would have come in on channel 8, you knew there was something different coming in. Or if um, – like where I am right here on Long Island, I'd be able to start pulling in some stations from Connecticut and out of market stations down in the Philly market. So you'd start to really start pulling in different stations on, on analog TV. If you got over the air for a digital TV, that's a little bit different these days. I've never really played around with, with digital FM DXing or digital FM TV DXing, although I know a lot of people have been doing that. And again, if you're picking up something like that, then that's even better because the signal doesn't really go as far on digital as it used to do on analog. At least that's what I'm reading. A lot of people are saying now it's supposed to be exactly one-to-one, but a lot of people are saying that that's, that's definitely not true at all. So long story short, look at your waterfall display. Look at your spectrum display. If you're starting to notice a lot of congestion on there, a lot more highs, a lot more players in the party, so to speak, right? you're going to notice that there's just more things to click on. And uh, again, you can just start clicking around and, and uh, just listening and, and hearing what things are. Again, uh, the trunk systems, that's another big thing you can look at as well. If you have uh, the trunk systems identified in your favorite trunk tracker, a piece of software like DSD+, Unitrunker, Trunk SDR, OP25, whatever. And if you start going through the spectrum displays and you start just clicking on the little spikes in there and you come across something that's not identified, that's a good indication that you've got something going on. Again, you're talking about, depending where you are, right? There are definitely some VHF, UHF trunk systems out there, although many of them are up in the 700, 800 band. But uh, it's not unheard of to hear out of region 700, 800 systems. I mean, we, we can't hear a system that's in the east end of Long Island unless the band opens up. Then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I can listen to them for a couple hours today. So uh, so that's the kind of thing that you're going to look for as well. But uh, again, if you know there's stuff that normally comes in as well that are regulars that come to visit when you have an opening, you can even make a scan bank of just those DX stations that you know are supposed to be coming in. And when you start to hear them, You'll also know that that's a good a good indication that the band might be opening. So a couple of ideas there, a couple of suggestions for you, and uh, let us know how you make out. It's, it's good to hear from you again, Jack, and thanks again for submitting a, another question. All right, let's go on to the next one. Hi, Phil. This is Greg from Cincinnati. I, uh, I listen to your podcast uh, all the time. I've started uh, listening a couple months ago, and I'm now up to podcast 100. I'm trying to do them in order. So you may have already answered this question. My question has to do with the unit in SDS 100 favorites list and, and keeping them fresh or updated as the database is updated. I use Sentinel to update both the database and the software for the scanner, but it sounds like I'm missing a critical step of getting my favorites list updated since the database has been updated or changed. I was wondering if you could take a few minutes and walk us through that process. That would be very helpful. Obviously, I'm a, a listener to your your podcast, and I've tried to do them in order. I'm now at about 100. I've been listening for about three months, and I find the wide variety of information that you provide and, and the guests that you've brought onto the show to be uh, very refreshing and 
definitely something that sparked the interest and, and keep us all out there as, as scanner enthusiasts. So I applaud you very much for the time and the love of your effort uh, to make this happen. Again, thanks much. Talk to you soon. Hey, Greg, I want to thank you very much for, first of all, listening to all the podcast episodes. It's really some good dedication. And I want to thank you for sticking through all of them. And uh, hopefully you catch this one soon and uh, and get right to your answer instead of waiting for another 80-something more podcast episodes to go by. But as far as going back and updating your master database with Sentinel and then trying to get your favorites list updated from there, you are not missing any steps. This was the way that I understand how exactly this is designed. Let's think of things this way. You are using your Home Patrol scanner as designed, and you put the zip code in, or you're hooking up to a GPS, and you're going out, and you're driving around with your scanner in the car. Well, the scanner's working as designed, right? You're using geo geocoding on the categories of the systems that you're using and the sites on the trunk systems. And that is turning things off and on in your scanner. Also, you've selected, say, fire attack, fire dispatch, police dispatch, right? You're customizing your scan list, right? That's the key phrase here. You're customizing your scan list. That's the market that the Home Patrol was originally marketed for. Somebody that wants a scanner doesn't understand how to program it. All they want to do is take it out of the box, put it on their countertop, hit a couple buttons, maybe sync it, and that's it. That's all they're looking for. We are advanced users when it comes to the Home Patrol. Pat yourself on the back if you don't think you are because you are. Creating custom scan lists using favorites lists basically removes or takes a snapshot of the database at that time and creates a favorites list from that moment in time. Once you create a favorites list, you are disassociating everything in that favorites list from the master database. They are not tied to one another. There's no symlink. There's no there's no row to recovery here. Okay. You are just taking this is what's in the database right now. Let me make a copy of it and let me paste it over here. It's a separate copy. It's not a backup. It's not any way that you can be able to mix one from the other. So you've got your favorites list. You're out using it. Everything is fine. All of a sudden you realize in radio reference, now all of a sudden there's a couple of changes to your local system. You do an upgrade or an update on the master database but you're not hearing the new talk groups, the new frequencies in your scan list. Well, why is that happening? Well, just because of what we just said. One does not push to the other. The master database does not push to the favorites list. The favorites list does not pull from the master home patrol database. They are disassociated. What you have to do is go into the master database and go down to the new stuff and append the new stuff to your favorites list. I really wish there was a way in Sentinel to just flag the newer stuff that was updated since your last update or updated in the last six months, six weeks, you know, something like that. There isn't. It'd be nice if that would be an upgrade to it. But if you're grabbing an entire category, such as your county's fire, or your county's police, you can just re-grab all of your county's police, right-click on that category, append the favorites list, and dump it into your favorites list. Only the new stuff is going to end up there. Anything that's existing will be overwritten. Anything that will be new will be appended. However, 
anything that is has been deleted or a category has changed or something like that may if it's deleted it's not going to be deleted from your favorites list okay let's put it that way if it changes that might be a double a duplicate i got to double check that one and see how that actually works but your favorites list is a personalized list outside of the home patrol database okay so again the best way to update that is as long as you've got favorites lists that are pretty simple, right? Then you can just right click on the database, the master database, append to favorites list, select the favorites list you want to update, and it will dump into there. I have issues where, for example, I may have state police, right? State police, where I am from, has their own VHF conventional system. Then they're on pretty much any trunk system in an area that they patrol through. So they may be on the Nassau County trunk system. They could be on the Suffolk County trunk system. They're on the Metro 25 trunk system in the city and also the MTA trunk system. They are on the big EDAC system in Orange County and in Rockland County, they're on the Rockland system and up in Albany, they're on the Albany system. And what ends up happening is you end up putting all of these trunk systems into your New York State Police favorites list and if you want to go in there and you want to update everything, that means you have to go through each one of those trunk systems, find state police, and update each one of those state polices individually, independently, and it's a real pain in the neck to do so. So, long story short, you're not missing a single thing. This is the way it was designed. This is the way it operates. And you just got to remember that you do have to do some homework and update what you see has been updated. Something that can help you out with that is when you go and sign up for Radio Reference, you can actually set trunk systems on your main page when you go to radioreference.com before you enter the forums, before you enter the wiki, right before you enter into uh, the database, there's a main page. The main page has all the top updates for the day or the week, you know, type of thing. So it's got the, the newest forum posts, the the um, latest updates, but you can also add into your trunk systems and your counties to the top of that page as well. So if anything does change in your trunk systems you're watching or your uh, county, then you can look at that and see, okay, I got to make a change to my database, my ferrets list, and, uh, and go through that as well. Don't forget too, the data, master database only updates, I believe, on Monday evenings. So make sure that you're just waiting until that time too before you do a poll. So thanks again, Greg, for asking that question. That was a very good one. I don't think we've had any questions regarding that particular topic in that format. So again, thank you very much. And I hope you enjoy the next hundred and something podcast episodes while you catch up. That is some dedication. So on the other side of this break, we will answer one more voicemail question and one question that was submitted via our contact form. As a reminder, those who are Patreon supporters at the 3 and $5 level do not hear this break. If you want to help support the podcast, go to scanatool.com slash Patreon, sign up to be a Patreon 3 or $5 member, and this break will not be present on your podcast episode. All right, we'll be right back after these quick messages. Did you know there are ways to help support the Scanner School podcast that doesn't take any time or any extra money on your part? If you go to scannerschool.com slash support, you will find we have several ways that you can continue to do your online shopping and help support us. We have links to Amazon. If you click on our link before you go to Amazon, anything you buy from there will help support Scanner School. Now, if you're in a market for a brand new scanner, an antenna, other accessories, we have links 
to Scanner Master, where you can not only purchase a scanner and accessories, but you can also get your radio programmed. And by clicking on our link before you buy, you are helping to support the podcast. Now, if you're in the market for software, we have links to Butel. And if you want something new to you, we also have links to eBay. Again, just go to scannerschool.com support before you make your purchases, and you are helping to support Scanner School at no additional cost to you. This session of Scanner School is sponsored by East Coast Pagers. Now, East Coast Pagers is one of my online companies, and we are a Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealer serving the North American market. Now, if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, we can get you a quote at the very best prices. So why does a company like East Coast Pagers support Scanner School? I think that every Scanner Radio user should at least put one pager in their collection of radios. The reason why is very simple. It frees up your scanner to just do scanning, and then you have one radio that's dedicated to your local fire activity. Now, with a pager, you can have voice storage. You can do tone outs. You can keep it silent. You can go back the next day and listen to what you've missed overnight. It's more than you can do with an out-of-the-box scanner. And with today's pagers having multiple frequencies and even having multiple channels in a scan list, like the Unication G1 can do eight channels in a scan list. It has 64 memory channels, and out of the box, it comes with 11 minutes of stored voice and a desktop charger. The G2s to G5s, they do P25 phase one and phase two in simulcast environments with stored voice, paging on conventional NP25. Oh, and they're upgradable too to DMR type one and type two. They are more rugged than today's consumer-based scanners. And with a pager like a Swiss phone S-Quad, you won't even realize you're wearing one. It'll help keep you informed as to what's going on in your neighborhood. So again, eastcoastpagers.com or contact me directly, phil at eastcoastpagers.com. Do you have a new scanner? You're having problems understanding how it works? Maybe you're new to the entire Home Patrol database of programming and you can't figure out Sentinel. Did you get a new SDR and you're trying to figure out how to install it or you want to learn how to use Unitrunker, DSD+, maybe set up a Pioware or even just make some changes and you don't understand how the system and the equipment works? The podcast might be great for you, but maybe you need a little bit more of one-on-one help with setting something up. I'm available to do just that with you with our private tutoring sessions. You can book me online by going to scannerschool.com slash consulting for a one-hour session. And it's great because we can actually share computer screens remotely, and I can guide you through step-by-step as if I was sitting right next to you. So again, book me for an hour at scannerschool.com slash consulting for your scanner radio one-on-one tutoring session. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your Natcom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues too. So visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issues and sign up today. That's natcommag.com for National Communications Magazine. Okay, Michael has our last voicemail question for the month. Michael, go ahead and ask your question. Hello, this is Michael Schuler. I just have a question with the SDS 100 and 200. In Niagara County, we have numbers for 911009. I would like to t- change it to uh, 7RM3. How would I do that? 
Hey, Michael, great question. So what I am thinking is I looked through Niagara County, New York, and uh, up in Canada as well. So what I'm thinking is you're looking at here are the radio IDs. And after coming to that conclusion and listening to your question one more time, I, I think I'm on the right path here. So what you want to do is in Sentinel, you're going to want to add unit IDs. This brings up, this is under the trunk system, by the way. And what you're going to do is you're going to start adding in the radio IDs that you're listing. So that 911, whatever, you enter in and then you put an alias right next to it. So you can name the alias whatever you want it to name. So for example, it looks pretty much exactly like a talk group ID table, except these are just radio IDs. So you would actually name the unit ID name, which is a long string name of what it is you want it to be. So for example, it could be dispatch center or RMP XYZ, or as you say it was, it was whatever the string of, of the string value you want it to be. The next column over is where you put the radio ID in. So it'd be 911, whatever for the unit number. And then you can set an alert tone and also a LED status off and on for that radio ID. That means whenever that radio ID now is shown on your screen, it would actually have underneath, now if you set up your extended uh, display correctly, you would actually have the name of the unit ID on your screen. So the next thing you want to make sure though is, obviously if you're seeing the unit IDs on your screen, then you've got that display turned on, but just go into your custom display configuration, make sure the unit ID name is selected. So the way I have mine set up is basically I've got the department name, and then I've got the talk group ID, and then below the talk group ID, I actually have the unit ID and the unit name below that on my display. So that's what shows up on my scanner. So again, if a dispatcher comes on the air, it will actually say, you know, police, talk group ID, police, and then it would say dispatch unit. So it's almost impossible to tag every single radio on a system because of the fact that radios can move around. Units can change cars if one goes in the shop, you know, those kinds of things. But for the most part, they do stay steady enough that if you had to change the names, I mean, that's where you would do it. So basically what you're going to do is you're going to create a favorites list for that system. You're going to then add a unit ID list into that system and then start populating your unit IDs. Now, if you're looking at just changing, if I misunderstood your question and you want to change the name of the talk group, again, I looked at every single trunk system in Niagara County, both on the Canadian and the U.S. side of things here in, in New York. So I could not find anything that matched that 911 prefix on the talk group ID. So again, this is why I'm leaning into radio ID. But let's just assume I'm wrong here. It does happen. Just don't to my wife. And let's just say it is a talk group. Same deal. Make up a favorites list and then go through each one of these talk groups and just change the alpha tag on it to whatever it is that is pleasant to you. But again, I think that we're talking about radio IDs. Just go and create your own favorites list, add a unit ID table into the list, and then start populating the list from scratch. All right. I do it all the time. I love having unit IDs on display in my scanners. And it's just another one of those things that scratches that itch, right? You got to always uncover what's out there, right? The secrets are in the searches. I always love saying that because there's more out there than just what's in the radio reference database. I'm very passionate about that, if you cannot tell. So great, great question, Michael. Thank you so much. And uh, stand by because we are going to pick a winner after this next question. So, Michael, thanks again.
Okay, so our last question of the month comes in from Joaquin. So Joaquin asks us, there have been many questions on radio reference unit and forums on the SDS 100-200 with filters. Can you explain how and what they are, some step-by-step example hand-holding, on where to find them, how to use them, button pushing, etc. What is the IFX filter and how and where can we use it? Some filters are used on trunking or only on conventional, etc., etc. All right, so let's go backwards on your question and go from there. So the IFX, the IFX is not really a filter. It's an actual changing of the intermediate frequency in your scanner. What that basically means is in a simplest form is that there is an IF in there. It's the intermediate frequency, and that is set to a certain frequency. So let's just say, for example, it's 10.7 megahertz. Let's make things easier on us right now and just say it's 10, okay? What ends up happening is when you tune your scanner, you're not actually tuning to, say, for example, 440.0. You're tuning to 430.0, and then the IF adds 10 when it goes through and then becomes uh, 440.0, okay? That's, That's how things work. But what happens when you're tuning your scanner and at 430, there's a birdie, okay? Well, what we do is we enable the IFX. That changes the sample frequency, and hopefully that gets rid of the birdie or the interference on your receiver. So I use that all the time here because it seems like on low band, on some frequencies, power supplies, those um, those switching power supplies are very dirty, and they will actually radiate some noise. And by using the IFX, sometimes you can actually remove those uh, spurious emissions, so to speak, from those power supplies. And then you can actually tune into a frequency that works well for you. Now, what we also need to look at, though, is that we program those into the scanner and we know how to toggle those as well. As well. So normally it's a function plus the IFX button will set those values up for you. Now, as far as your other questions and going into filters, there's several places that you can find filters. And unfortunately, I don't don't really remember off the top of my head how to do this, but we'll walk through it best as I can off the top of my head when it comes to filters. So filters, there's no real set explanation anywhere, documentation as far as what the filters are. So before his passing, Upman actually posted on Rio Reference, Something very simple here is normal is a high-pass filter, invert is a low-pass filter, and wide is wider-pass frequency. That's really the only explanation we ever got on anything. Plus, there's global, which means there's a global setting in the scanner that trumps all the all the settings, basically, and what we can defer back to. So there's several places we can go in here and set filters. We can set filters down to the frequency level, down to the trunk system level or the site level, and then also in the search regions and also then on a global region. So what ends up happening is, say, for example, and this is one that was given online, was that somebody was sitting across the street from a tower. And then they knew that they should be able to receive the signal because they can physically see the tower from the R, but the SDS was not working well. Once the filters rolled out and they, they toggled the filter, then all of a sudden they can receive that trunk system. 
So filters are best thought of on a case-by-case basis. So, for example, is if you've got your global filter settings set to normal and all of your frequencies and trunk systems are all set to use the global filter, then and everything's working fine, then there's no reason to go in there and play around with the filters. But if you need to test something, right, and you've got a, a bigger frequency scan list, go ahead and change the global frequency or the global filter rather to invert and then see how your scanner performs. If it performs better, then leave it. If those tour groups you need to sample work better, but the other ones work worse, then you know you need to go back to the original setting and then go into Sentinel and then pick each frequency or trunk site and toggle that to the now inverted setting on the filter. So you got to keep in mind that the SDS-100 and the SDS-200 are, are kind of built more like software-defined radios. Again, I guess it's what the SDS is, a software-defined scanner, right? I guess you can think about it that way. And you're missing the core multiple conversion circuitry that is missing from a lot of radios, right? You'd have this double or triple conversion setup that was originally in a lot of radios where the frequency is sampled multiple times through multiple stages before it gets to the end result. And that's where you had a lot of filtering taking place. You'd have an RF filter, an RF amp filter, then you have a mixer, then you have a second IF amp filter and a second mixer and a third IF amp filter and a demodulator and an audio amplifier after a pass through all that stuff. And when you start using software for a lot of that stuff, you're taking all the hardware out of the mix. And those filters replace the hardware component that were replaced. So that's why we have those filters added into the scanner. At least that's the way I understand it. So there's no real simple answer for these, unfortunately. You're going to have to go in there and you're going to have to try these things and see how they work and find out which is the best solution for those frequencies and talk groups that you need to go through. So again, in order to find them, the first one is going to be primarily under settings and then global settings and you know, filter settings underneath that, right? Settings and filters and global settings. When you go into the actual frequency, you're going to have to go into program system, then edit the groups, then go into edit frequencies. And then when you edit, find the frequency, then you need to edit the frequency. And then you're going to dig down through those options in there. And there's going to be an option for filters. Same with trunk systems. You can go into edit groups, then edit trunk system, and then edit sites. And then you're going to go into edit the filters. So again, if you're using Sentinel, it's a lot easier to find those. But you got to remember, you have a global, and then you've got one per frequency or one per trunk site. So that's where the filters are. And uh, I know this is a question I get a lot. And filters are one of those things I wish you did a little bit better job explaining how they work, function, and operate. But that's a very, very great question. All right. So with that, we have got four questions answered this month. I need more questions, though. Please go to scannerschool.com slash ask. Submit your questions via email or use the voicemail buttons on there for SpeakPipe to use your device's microphone to leave me a question or give us a call at 516-308-2885 to ask me a question. So again, we're going to give away one free tutoring session right now. If you need help with your scanner and you want one-on-one help, again, you go to scannerschool.com slash tutoring and book me using the online calculator to find a slot that works for the two of us. And it's a great way. We use Zoom and 
I think we're all used to Zoom these days where we can share a computer screen and a camera and it's just like me being there right next to you to help you through your or to help right help you out get you going I've, I've done plenty of these with scanners setting up scanners answering questions uh going through software to find radios configuring even file uh, was it uh adsb receivers on raspberry pis and stuff like that as well we've i've done quite a lot of these types of uh tutoring calls and even just to bounce ideas off of somebody right that's that's really what a a good use of this is as well so let's go ahead and put in our three questions that we have gotten today and we will go through in order so number one i've got jack number two i've got greg and number three i've got in michael so let's go ahead here and pop this into my spreadsheet here next to my spreadsheet i just basically have a random number generator and the random number generator is going to give me back a one two or three depending on what it feels like so I've got it in here, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to hit the refresh button five times. This way, everything just kind of refreshes, and it's not just picking the first value, which really isn't the best way to do these because, again, every time you open up the, the, the file, it just spits out what it wants to, but I want to make sure I'm getting a good sample here. So, again, one, two, and three. Got Jack, Greg, and Michael. So let's go ahead through here and go one, two, three, four, five, and there we go. It ends it on number two. Greg, you are our winner for this month. Hopefully, you find this episode sooner than later. doesn't matter, though. Whenever you listen to this podcast episode, reach out to me, phil at scannerschool.com. I will give you the code to use so you can book a free tutoring session. So whenever you're ready, Greg, again, just email me, phil at scannerschool.com, and we will set up our tutoring session. So how do we do this month? If you have any uh, information you want to add to my my answers, go to scannerschool.com slash session 185 and leave a comment down below in the website. Or if you listen to us on YouTube, go ahead and leave a comment in the YouTube comments below the video and uh, we'll be sure to look at those uh, those that feedback as well. Again, don't forget, you can subscribe to us over on YouTube, over on your favorite podcast player or even on our website by going to scannerschool.com and sign up for the newsletter so you can keep up to date as to what is going on here at Scanner School. Also, make sure you share this podcast episode with somebody because, again, our goal is to help as many people as possible with the Scanner Radio hobby, and we can only do that with your help. So make sure you share the podcast with somebody you think would get some benefit out of this podcast episode. All right, guys. Well, we are going to let you know when the future date is of the NESC live ask scanner school will probably be towards the third or fourth week of july and again take a look at social media for that type of update so with that i'm phil lichtenberger and this is scanner school we teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby 73 everyone and thanks again for your support and for listening